3: Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tipful Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to... Rock. Join me as always, Xavier Guerrero and Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard. How are you guys?
1: We doing. We
3: doing. We, doing. we living. Learned a lot today. A lot. A very interesting podcast today. Very interesting podcast. A little change of pace for y'all. You know? I mean, we're taking a break from the... the uh, s- you know, the COVID and the new world order and the lizard people. And we're getting into about, you know, are they rewriting history? And we're talking about the history of basketball. So I loved it. It was a wonderful conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it as well. I hope you guys, uh, if you want to see me or any of us on the road, we have some shows coming up. Uh, if you want to get any of my dates, just go to Sam They're all there. I'm going to Frederick I'm going to Baltimore. I'm going to, uh, uh Palmdale Chicago Aurora uh, I'm going to Texas for Float Fest and then May 4th in Los Angeles Ooh, woo. Com- Comedy Chaos Live at the Comedy Store Comedy Chaos May 4th and Laguna Niguel on May 11th just go to samtree.com for all your dates a lot of fun stuff going on there as well uh t-shirts uh if you have t-shirt ideas just email me at Sam Triple live we got t-shirts available for you just oh, t shirts. it's gone
1: well it's gone like my Instagram oh is it gone we it's sold gone. out sold out sold out sold out thank sold you guys out. we appreciate that
3: yeah that's all sold out we have uh we have that um if you want to join the telegram guys I'm getting off of reddit I'm gone from Reddit I don't want to do it anymore uh the telegram is where the action is just go to samtriple.com. Uh, click the link, the banner there it will take you to our Telegram page, which is over three thousand people. So much evidence! Bang, 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 bang! Dude, if,
1: if they were on there, they know they knew about this new video that came out that we saw this morning.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah! yeah. Watch the watch. You gotta, you, yep,
2: yeah. you gotta go over there to tune Johnny in. Johnny
3: doesn't believe in it, but I think it's super interesting.
2: Johnny hasn't seen it; don't know what you're talking about.
3: Okay, go to uh, if you want to get. Let's say these episodes are enough for you. We we have so much premium episodes for you on rockfin.com. Tinfoil Hats premium content is on rockfin.com. Go to rockfin.com, you know, slash tinfoil hat, uh, conspiracy social club, zero my spiritual podcast, which is getting huge in in Europe. Slovakia <laughs> loves it, okay? Rockfin, any just there's over four hundred creators for only ten dollars for only ten dollars you get all of them all of them so go check that out broken sam Broken Sims on there. We, we don't, don't smoke, smoke the, the same. same. Yes. And when is you be We at Don't the Smoke one? Zones live show?
1: Saturday, Saturday in Riverside. Sam will be showing up. There's a couple tickets left. Get the VIP boxes. Boxes. Yes. Weirdness. Get weird. Yes, get you weird. will get, get weird, weird with these boxes. But buy weird. tickets at eventbrite.com and we will see you guys there.
3: Okay. Go check that out. And then finally, if you go to Tim Fall Hat T shirts, uh, you go to samtripley.com. Uh I have seven free shows of audio for you to listen to. some RSS feed, Tim fall hat. This one broken SIM, which that's is pure fire. Everybody. It's basically three hour show about my week. And I decided that broken SIM is the taxi driver of LA. If you've seen the movie Taxi driver and all that stuff, that's what broken SIM is. I just go around LA mm. looking for danger. That's what I basically do. And I talk about it and we had some great you stuff. You and your pug. Yeah, me and my pug. Cash Daddies is my financial show, uh, Punch Drunk Sports show. Uh, Union you know of the Unwanted is my panel show about conspiracies. And then you can go to the vault of two of my shows on Rockfin, Zero and Conspiracy Social Club. Both uh, I'm now starting to put out two episodes a week of that as well. So all you want to hear is available for you. Just go to samtriple.com and 24-hour radio as well. Anything else,
1: guys? No.
3: Alright, so today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Athletic Greens. Dude, I take Athletic Greens because I'm worried about my health. I want to have better Gut health, more energy, optimize my immune system. And I hate taking a thousand different pills and vitamins. Okay. I want something that tastes great and I want to enjoy it. All right. It's real simple, dude. Here's what. And I know you got a million different lifestyles out there. Okay. What you can eat, what you can't eat, all that stuff, whether it's keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, dairy free, gluten free. It's real simple. Okay. Tons of people are taking multivitamins all the time, and it's important that you just choose one high-quality ingredients that's for your body, that's easy for it to absorb, all right? So right now, it's time for you to claim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, okay? Especially heading into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. Simple, easy peasy. Don't need to take a million different pills and a bunch of supplements, okay? Simple, easy for your health. And this is what Athletic Greens is going to do. If you, if you get some Athletic Greens right now, they're going to give you one free year supplement of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packets with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit Greens com slash Again, visit athleticgreens.com slash timfoil to take ownership over your health and pick up a an ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Enjoy the show. We go deep homeboys. Open your mind.
1: Drink
3: of- all right, so let's get into it. I'm super excited about this episode because it's much different than stuff we've been doing lately, and I think maybe, you know, we got to mix it up once in a while. I think uh, doing all the serious stuff all the time, not that this isn't serious, but, you know, it's not the world we live in. Life or death. yeah, Life or death, like. Snake venom, stuff oh, like dude. that. They don't even know about that yet. They don't even know about that. So uh I'm very excited to have our next guest on. Um he has a book called out coming out, or it's out now called Nay's Myth. I'm very excited. There it is. Nay's Myth, okay. Uh and it's about basketball conspiracy. And I'm super excited to have uh him on. Please welcome the show, author Brian Carroll. How are you, Brian?
0: I'm
2: doing good yourself.
3: Brian I'm great. As you know, uh, Johnny and I are giant basketball junkies. Uh, uh you know, on this show there are a lot of people who think, you know, that sports is what's it, uh, uh, bread and circus, right? Yeah, yeah. And that it's this giant smoke screen to kind of uh, you know, uh hide what's really going on. And you know what? I don't care. Yeah, I I love it. I love basketball. I fell in love with basketball very early in my life. The person who got me into basketball was Patrick Ewing, and I've loved it ever since. And so basketball is very personal to me. So when I got an email talking about your book, I was like, let's do it. So I'm excited to talk to you about your theory on the origins of basketball. Before we begin, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and Uh, Any websites or social media you'd like to promote?
0: Yeah, so um, in my history, I'm technology. I'm not necessarily uh, heavy into sports and basketball and all that stuff, but um, about a year and a half ago, Scott Flansburg, also known as the Human Calculator, came into the uh, village of Herkimer where I live and connected with me and brought to light the the fact that there was – Evidence that proved that basketball originated in Herkimer. Now, this is a, this is a, let's call it a tale that has existed for 50 years, the 70 years since the uh, hall of fame uh, was put into Springfield. There was a jockeying between Herkimer and, and Springfield, maybe even Kansas in regards to where the hall of fame should be. Um, but that, the evidence about Herkimer being the origin of basketball was probably 90% complete meaning all of the facts and evidence weren't necessarily uh, fully fleshed out. And so we in uh, Herkimer, we, we had established an organization called the Herkimer Nine. And the Herkimer Nine is based on the actual origin of the basketball, uh, which I, if, if you give me time, I'll, I'll kind of go through that. And so what we did was created two organizations. One is a for-profit and one is a not-for-profit. Uh, the for-profit is, uh, you can you can find it at herkimer9.com, and the not-for-profit is herkimer9.org, and that's herkimer, H-E-R-K-I-M-E-R, number 9, dot .com and dot .org. We also have, as you can see on my head here, um, the uh, Herkimer Originals, which is the first ABA basketball team to be uh, posted in this region, and we actually came in. Um, we were in the uh, final four for the region, which was pretty doggone good considering that we were kind of toppled by the person, the team that was number three in the whole league. And the league consists of roughly 200 teams. So uh, we thought we did pretty good. A league
3: of 200 teams?
0: Yeah. What, what, oh, what, what, what was
3: that? What was that uh, um, South Park movie? Basketball or what <laughs> Oh, was basketball. The, yeah, yeah, where, yeah, 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 yeah. Where the tournament was like 10,000 <laughs> yeah, yeah, teams going yeah, yeah, at it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Right? And
3: so to have, two, <laughs> to, to have, to, to have 200, 200 teams in a league is insanity. That's um, loud. But I love the picture of the original Herkimer uh, nine, even though I think there looks like there's more than nine there, but. Uh, how many are there? One, two, three? like I'm not even gonna do yeah, it looks like there's like twelve there. But, maybe the
2: coach or the manager or something. Okay. But I love
3: that like look at where basketball is now and then look at the guys who started it. Like it's so incredible how far it's it it's come. Oh, yeah. So when he when 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 the uh human calculator uh, approached you.
2: <laughs> I love that. We're calling it. That. That's awesome. Well, no, no, that, that's, so that's like that No, I mean that's the it's best wild. nickname. It's a great nickname. Uh, yeah, as nicknames go, that's so all. Awesome.
3: Many crazier name. Like that's a great name. That's a great thing to be known as. because it a, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than
2: like hey. the, you know the human piece of shit or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's You're the sure. human I mean, calculator.
3: Yeah, which we know a couple of those people, but um, right. so, too many of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need we need the human calculator. I love that. Oh, that's cool. I've, I've seen that guy and stuff, Scott Flansburg. And we, uh, why did he say he was so passionate about it? What, what, what was the initial discussion? Cause he, he, he comes to your place to talk to you. Is it for this or is it for another reason?
0: No, he, his father lives here. He, he grew up here and he then went off very similar to I did. You know, he went off into the air force and then buzzed out and became the human calculator over time, which was actually uh, given. That name was given him by uh, Regis Philbin on the uh, on the show he was on. The guy who he goes, "Hey, you're like the human calculator," and that stuck. And so that's where he got his name. But he's he spent like me. I spent 35 years in technology. He spent 35 years dazzling people and creating what they call math elites instead of athletes. You got math elites, and he set the world the Guinness Book world record uh, in in uh, numbers and calculations. And, uh, you know, he just dazzled the world and really, I don't know, presented to like millions of kids uh, over the 35 years on how to think of math as something that's interesting and fun. So that was his, and and he, he was visiting his uh, father um, and his sister still lives here. And he got the book, I grew up with basketball, and that's a different book and I'll, I'll hold it up just so you can see it. This is I Grew Up a Basketball by Frank J. Baslow. And this is the one that actually turned the tide and started to profess that Herkimer was the origin of basketball. And in there is a whole slew of content, some of which I call it zippering folklore in fact, meaning over time people develop this is reality. But in reality, it's folklore. It's things that uh, they believe are to be true, but there's no real evidence that it is true. And so some of that is in that book. And so we took that book. We also took the Naismith book, and I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be uh, someone that just points to one thing. This Naismith book, which was actually Basketball uh, Origins and Development, and a whole slew of analytics on uh, historic documents. And that's where George and Daryl Foste, the Foste brothers, uh, come in because they're sports historians, And so he came here saying Herkimer should be known and represented as the place where basketball originated. And he was really bent on that. And so he and I got together. I was the chairman of the planning board of the village of Herkimer, and I had developed what they call the master plan 2020 of how to develop out Herkimer. And so you combine why should Herkimer be developed out, which is my view, and then his view of what specific thing could cause that to happen, which is that basketball originated in Herkimer. So we kind of plotted together to not only put together the Herkimer 9 program, but in parallel to that, develop evidence, if there is such, that Herkimer was the origin. Now, if we found that Herkimer was not the origin, we would have published nothing. (laughs) But because we found pure evidence that depicts Herkimer as being the origin, and that Lambert Will, who is a 16-year-old YMCA director um, in Herkimer, was the inventor, it became very obvious we had to document that in very clinical, but at the same time, interesting way.
3: Well, I'm excited to hear about this, <laughs> and I always go, what is the purpose of lying about history? Because we see it so much. I mean, uh, this might not be your take, but... You know, the story of Facebook in the movie, I don't believe that's at all even accurate. And you're like, why? Why why do we have to lie about that stuff? And when you think about, yeah, uh, obviously Facebook is a more modern thing. But when you think about why why do we have to say that Naismith invented, like what is the purpose behind that? Why can't we be like, no, man, how old did you say this guy was that was running the Y? Why?
0: 16. He was 16.
3: Uh, why can't we say a 16-year-old
0: started? Like, <laughs> well, there was, there, there was a reason. See, back back in the 50s uh, or the late 40s, when Springfield was looking to become known as the Basketball Hall of Fame. Now, realize, uh, and I don't want to jump ahead in the back and ahead in the back. Go on
3: your timeline yeah. that you want to. Like, no, no, no. no
0: specific to your question, I want to answer your question, is that what Naismith, what you'll find in this uh, chronology is that Naismith kind of rode a tsunami wave. And I'll describe how he got into that. But because of that, Springfield became known as the or as the birthplace of basketball, Naismith being the inventor. And when the Hall of Fame question came up, Springfield, with all of its businesses and its influential politicians, all began to kind of rally. And then Herkimer all of a sudden jumped up like a small animal going, ah, no, that's me. And they go, no, it's not. It's us. <laughs> and, and so that became a political fight that was kind of ingredienting what was Ah. the heritage of Naismith and what was the real truth of basketball. But that collision, you know, was something that over time has been kind of washed out, yeah.
3: Tourism dollars, that's what we're talking about. (laughs) right? Why else would yeah. you be going to Herkimer or going to
2: You see it all the time. These these Midwest towns that have you know the the giantest slice of cheese or whatever. You know it's all just <laughs> <laughs> it's just all just uh, you know myth making to to try to uh, get people to yeah, go 100%. out there to make a stop in their car.
3: Hey guys, I want to tell you about our sponsors at Factor Factor Meals. That's right. You know I love Factor Meals. I used to eat them. all all the time, especially when I, uh, my babies came out and I needed to be there all the time for my kids. And I couldn't go out and cook all the time or go out to grab food. And I, so I just got a factor meals and I'm telling you, I lost weight. I, I had one last night. I love it. Factor meals make it easy for you to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never frozen prepared meals that are delicious. You wouldn't believe how actually good they are, and I'm dead serious. They are great. I had last night. It's so good. Factor saves me time by delivering chef crafted meals to my doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep. Okay. Each factor meal, each listen. And the best part of it, you eat it, you just throw out the little little tray. Bam, gone. You don't have to worry about any cleanup dishes or anything like that. The wash, none of that stuff. Get in, get out. Each factor meal arrives pre, pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering, okay? It's that simple, all right? And here's the thing. Factor has more than... 29 meal options each week. it never gets boring okay and no matter what your 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 eating style is, your diet style is, all of them. Bax has got it for you. keto, paleo vegan. vegan you name it all there real simple, low calorie, cold pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars you name it all there. Factor's got it. I love Factor and I use it all the time. So here's what I want you to do. Head to go.factor75.com slash tinfoil120. Use the code tinfoil120 to get $120 off. That's code tinfoil120 at go.factor75.com slash tinfoil120. 120 for 120 dollars off guys i i eat this i i love the meals they're great and they're portioned just right so it will help you lose weight so go check it out again that's go.factor75.com slash tinfoil 120 enjoy it all
0: right brian where do you want to start okay so what i'd like to do is kind of describe how basketball originated and give you what is defined in the book and what is evidenced through the book, as the story of how basketball came about. And this goes back to that sixteen-year-old, and and the date is like December of eighteen ninety. So in December of eighteen ninety, the individual Lambert Will was, you know, just a kid, sixteen-year-old. He had been assigned and volunteered to be the director of the YMCA in Herkimer, and he was he was in the basement of his home, which means his mother's cellar, and she wanted him to sort cabbage because sauerkraut, which she was planning to make, is made of a harder form of cabbage than if it goes soft. And so he was down in the cellar, and so he was pitching the hard cabbage into one basket and the soft cabbage into another basket. And so he was pitching this, and he actually thought of this as, you know, interesting. It wasn't anything that was you know, huge and inspirational. It was just kind of like a kid. Like if you look at Cornhole, which is where you throw a bag into a hole on a board, you know, somebody thought of that. And it was just something interesting and something to do. And so he took that idea, all excited about it, and went over to a, a Osman's uh, general store. And Osman's general store was, you know, like a breath away. It wasn't far from where he lived. And in there was two individuals, Sim Peterson and Gary Fritz. And he said, hey, I got a great game. And he said, what you do is you take cans, you throw them to a basket, and they're like, yeah, okay, well that, that was a nice, boy. <laughs> uh, you know, pass the pass the seltzer. So instead, he goes, no, no, take the basket, put it on a stepladder, and what we'll do is we'll have a contest, who can make the most baskets. And the owner of the store said, whoever makes the most baskets gets hot cider and some kind of a cookie or a donut or whatever. Turns out they the, 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 they say that all of them made the same number of, of baskets. I don't believe that was true. I believe that somebody did win. But nevertheless, that was the origin origin of the gene the the uh, genesis of the idea of basketball. Now. This is in December of 1890.
3: Dude, that's so crazy, man. And it's just like you kind of sit there and you go, when you go, oh, they're 16. We think of 16-year-olds today. Like 16-year-olds right. in 1890s were about 40-year-olds,
0: right? Hard right. right. yeah. Yeah. living. Yeah. Yeah.
3: like Already <laughs> got smoking and drinking What do you mean you're not
0: married yet? Yeah. A, yeah. yeah. They already got a part what time. you are not married? Are you gay? <laughs> you're
3: like,
1: I'm
3: 16. like, I had five right. kids by the time I was 16. I want
0: grandkids and I want them by the time you yeah. are this is the way it is. Right. I got you. And you know I you. what I was just
3: thinking? It's like, you know, so you're like, okay, they got a cabbage. They threw it in. I'm like, oh, man, they should just get a ball. I'm like, did they have wow, ball? Yeah, that's the point.
0: That's the point. So remember, he's the director of the YMCA. So after this little thing that they do, uh, he goes home and it keeps flopping around in his head because uh, Lambert Will was a tinkerer and his whole uh, life was that of a tinkerer of things. And so he convenes back in uh, the YMCA because, you know, it's not yet Christmas break. And he says, let's try that same thing we did in the the general store. But instead, let's put the baskets on the wall and use a medicine ball. Ah. So now that begins to be a ball that's not cabbage because that could get a little shreddy, right? You end up with a salad by the time you're done. (laughs) And so they're using a medicine ball to throw it in, and they're just kind of like like you might do uh, when you're standing out on an outside court and the ball's bouncing and you're throwing it and then somebody else throws it. And so that became, well, it was interesting, but they they really said this actually could be a game. Now, nothing happened in any grand form in 1890 to form that game. They broke for Christmas By the time January came back around, again, Lambert will minds flipping, flipping, flipping. And the kids that were there became very interested. So what he did, and this is where the number nine comes in, is that he pulled together the two baseball teams at the time. There was the businessmen's nine and the YMCA nine. Those two teams he brought into the YMCA and said, I got a great game. Let's try to figure it out. And so they try to do things like, you know, everyone's throwing balls and the whole thing gets crazy and that's stupid. So let's start doing something that's a little more organized. And they, through the month of January, begin to develop what are boundaries? What is a shot? What does it mean when you knock somebody on their ass? I'm sorry, when you knock somebody over, you know, how do you, what's a foul? And they started to put together some very basic rudiments or what I call street rules, right? Like if you, you know, I used to play when I was a kid, 'Cause we were poor when I was a kid, but we are, we could always find a place where people were playing basketball. So, you know, and that was pretty rough sport back then on the on the courts outside. So that's kind of where the, the thing adjusted. Yeah, I mean,
3: like, I wonder what the rules were, man. I, I mean like have you ever played ba- there was
2: n- there were no charges and blocks. I can guarantee you that.
3: Well, have you ever played basketball <laughs> and like somebody there doesn't know how to play? And their yeah. defense is basically cornerback from NFL. Yeah. <laughs> they're just they're just shoving shoulders in you. Yeah. You're like, this isn't football, yeah. bro. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. basketball. So I'm getting, <laughs> I right, like, dude, I'm old. I'm old school, dude. I used to watch old Big East basketball. Again, I grew up in the Syracuse area on mm-hmm. uh, the Orange It was all at the peak yeah. of basketball in the Big East. But I was a Georgetown Hoya fan, and there was a rule. In, in Big East basketball, which was no layups, you didn't do any layups, man. If you went down, what was the key? You would just get knocked on your ass. I like. I couldn't imagine what these guys were. I mean, it had to be full combat at that point.
1: They're wearing knee pads.
3: they Yeah, well, they're wearing that's knee that's pads. Yeah, all right,
1: all right, knee pads. That's so, rough.
0: Right, they're all blocking tackles. But, but the fact is, they they realized that they were trying to develop a game that had some normalcy, right? And it wasn't football, and it wasn't baseball. It was something that could be played indoors. So they set up where the boundaries were. They started to set up what it meant to make a basket. and But, but in a game, you might make three baskets and a half hour. It wasn't like today. I mean, trying to throw a freaking medicine ball into a, a peach basket, I mean – the circumference ratio of the basket to the ball, yeah, and it's thing about that. I mean, it was just that's more like soccer, right? Well, yeah. The thing is, when it got into the basket, somebody had to get on a step ladder and yep. get the basket out. <laughs> the ball, right? So, but but that's what started in January with the businessman nine and the YMCA nine. So, what Lambert Will did is on February seventh, eighteen ninety-one, he took the businessman nine and the YMCA nine, and they actually had a game for people to watch. And so they had developed enough rules so that it wasn't mayhem and chaos. And, you know, you didn't need stretchers and med devices off to the right because you didn't have that many people pillaged and thrown off into the, into the distance with broken bones. And it just so happened February 7th, 1891 was Lambert Will's mother's birthday. And she comes back in at a later point. Um, But that's the game where somebody from little falls, um, watched the game and actually said, hey, this is pretty hot. Because remember, this is the YMCA, and the YMCA, you know, has its own world. So you can be going into the YMCA and doing a lot of things, but nobody in the community really knows what's going on inside that YMCA because it's the YMCA. So an individual from Little Falls went to the, was at the game, brought that idea of the game back to Little Falls. They put together a team. And by the end of February of 1891, Little Falls and Herkimer played, which meant Lambert Will had to take the Businessman 9 and the uh, YMCA nine and create the Herkimer 9. Therefore the Herkimer 9. That's that's the reason for the name. So that team, the Herkimer 9, was playing against Little Falls, later Utica, and it began to spread out on the Mohawk Valley. Who was like, the
3: first like person? Anything. Who was the first person to get cut? Like, is that, is that like
0: the fifth beetle? Will, is that Will, guy- Wilford Johnson. Wilford Johnson got cut because he was only four foot two. What? and He couldn't, oh. couldn't wrap his hand around the ball. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I no that would have been
2: awesome. That's short. Poor guy, fair.
0: He kept getting neat in the face by people running around. So he's, he's too small. That's all the thing was. So the, the thing is that that game, you know, ended up, kind of developing itself in the early part of 1891. But then as spring came, you know, baseball went back to its normal thing. Then it went to the football season. And what ended up happening is because that word had spread, Albany even had brought in people to, to look at the game, get the list of the rules and bring it back to their world. So you had Troy, you had Amsterdam, you had Albany. Um, and so all of these uh, municipalities, that sounds like a very clinical word, but the, the, the places, were readied by the end of 1891 when the winter started knocking football, can't be played, got to work indoors. Okay, what are we going to do? We're going to play basketball. So these guys started playing basketball. During this time, and if you look at the Naismith book, and again, I'll just hold it up because you can go get it and look at it, Naismith was talking about how Gulick, who ran the um, Springfield YMCA was terrorizing them, not in a bad way, but just in a management-demanding way, that they figure out a game that can be played indoors during the cold season. And they couldn't think of anything. They tried figuring stuff out. Nobody was successful. What we believe happened, but we don't have this specific evidence, what we believe happened was that Springfield sent out a flyer to the Northeast YMCA saying, we're looking for a game that can be played indoors. Anybody got any ideas? And what Lambert Will did is he actually wrote up, sent out the concept, the rules to Springfield. He didn't know anything about Naismith. He didn't know the guy's name, but he sent it to Springfield. Now, remember, this is Lambert Will, 16 years old. And as you as you just pointed out, 40 years old in our age, right? Yeah, so so by the time he's 18, he actually goes off to war, Spanish-American War. But in the meantime, Jeez. this letter goes out to, Naism- to Springfield. Naismith gets it. And what we believe happened, and I'll, and I'll give you an example of why we think this is evidenced by the book, is that he took those rules, which I again called street rules, they might have been 85% perfect, right? But he wanted... You know, I don't know if you know about the YMCA, but it's mind, uh, body, spirit, right? This whole, you know, gentlemanly become one with yourself, you know, that whole stuff. And so what Naismith did is he took those rules that, that Lambert Will gave him and he built them out and published it in January of 92 in a publication called The Triangle. Now, The Triangle was almost like, you know, you will read the triangle every time it's published. It's that kind of a publication where it it talks about policies, it talks about practices, and guess what? Hey, it's talking about a game. What's the name of the game? Basket space ball. Throw the ball into the basket. Here's the rules. And the person that signed or that wrote that article, his name was James Naismith. So you see an article... Mm. And it gives you the definition of a game and you see who wrote it is James Naismith. And that's where I say James Naismith wrote a tsunami because what happened is that game took off like lightning because everybody said, instead of doing gymnastics, I think it was Swedish gymnastics or Swedish stretching or whatever the hell they, what they used to do. Now they had a game that actually related to, you know, fun. And so it got adopted very quick. And Naismith was defined as the inventor. And guess what? Lambert Will, who's over in the YMCA in Herkimer, they're still playing. They've been playing for a whole year. And they actually have a 91, 92 team. And as a matter of fact, there's publication that that shows that Albany, remember Albany, Albany had formed a team at the end of 91. And of course, in the Naismith book, Naismith says that he invented it all by himself in his room, I don't know what he was wearing, but I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> and he had an inspirational period, like a it's almost like you know, Moses A download from the universe.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joseph Smith, he, you know. Just he like he saw into
0: the future and thus the, thus the ball bounced, right? He said he wrote up thirteen rules. And the thing that really is ironic is the last rule says in case of a tie, continue to play until someone makes a score. Ooh, that? I'm sorry, I built a lot of technology solutions over the last 30 years, 35. And I never got down to that point of definitiveness when I'm just trying to push a concept. If I talk about a solutional system, that might manage a lot of that's content. That's very
3: specific. It's very yeah, that's, specific.
0: So, that's so specific that it, it it garners and it kind of frames somebody else. Gave, but nevertheless, Naismith said he invented it in December of 91, we believe and have evidence that Albany was already putting together their team. Remember Little Falls was already in Utica was already in Herkimer was already in Troy Amsterdam. Now Albany, Albany takes on the game and they actually say, we're going to have a New York state championship playing Herkimer at the end of February 92. And so there's no way on earth that Albany has a team, Herkimer has a team, they're going to do the New York State Basketball Championship in 92 February if the first time anyone ever heard of basketball was in the middle of January in a publication that took snail mail time to get out to everybody and even longer for people to read. So all the things that we have that proves that Lambert, Will, and Herkimer, and Utica, and Little Falls, and so on, were playing basketball in 91, crushes and we don't mean it in a bad way but it crushes Naismith's statement of how it originated what we believe happened was that tsunami of Naismith's name at the bottom of that publication caused him as quote the inventor to become heralded within the YMCA community
3: oh yeah for sure and so so what. when he writes these rules, is there any evidence that he was actually playing a game? No, there's That's no evidence. As a, matter of fact,
0: as a matter of fact, later on, they talk about and this is really weird. We tried to give him some credit in that sense. Maybe he got the rules and then grabbed people together and did something within the YMCA to play it out. And then that seemed to work. And then he you know, wrote the article, to your point. Is there evidence? There's none. Except somebody was saying, and this is historically referenced, that it was in December 21st of 1891. However, we went out to the Springfield College historian. Uh, His name is Jeff, and I'll leave it at that. So Jeff Jeff sat down and we looked at the calendar for 1891, and school was out on the 18th, which means there was nobody there on the 21st. So whoever injected the 21st, and collected that together as the the day of the first game of basketball wasn't thinking straight. But even worse, I don't know if you've ever seen the rules of basketball as they are depicted in the Kansas display. Will you look that up? Mm -hmm. That's where the the guy paid, um, I forget the guy's name, paid $4.3 million for what he called, what Ian Ian Naismith, which he calls himself Ian, but I had a son called Ian, and I spelled it the same way, so I'm going to use the term Ian. Ian Naismith uh, sold it for $4.3 million. But if you look at the rules, and we depict this in the book, if you look at the rules on the very bottom of the second
2: page. That's, that's, that's for write. high school basketball. Yeah, and, uh, Some league in Kansas. Go, Yeah, go, go. What you're gonna Type in about? the Naismith, N-A-S-S-M-I-S-H. N-A-I-S-M-I-T-H. Yeah. Yeah, we're all in trouble. Here. Basketball this, rules.
3: Yeah, Naismith
2: basketball rules.
0: Well, I can show you, um, I can show you, but you won't be able to see it that clearly. It's in the Naismith book, actually. The second page of the rules has
2: a date. Did you try an image search? Oh, was there, right there. He found them. No, no. Well, But we're looking for a document as well, like the actual, can you do an image search? Is what I'm yeah,
3: go to images.
2: Oh, that'd be – can you there actually search for Oh, there for they are. There <laughs> they
0: are. Okay, so if you zoom in – if you zoom in, okay, zoom in right there. It's the second page on the bottom right on how, how much it's that, that's
1: see. as much as it's gonna go there. Which you'll see, okay,
0: so right, when you get it. a chance when you get a chance to look at it really close, what you're gonna see is it has DEC as as per December, and it has 1891. Now the problem with that is when you look real close, you're going to look and see that the the, num- the word that was underneath, yeah, go to the right. Okay, so all there. Now look at deck. Now, if you notice, that looks like it's something written over top of a smudge. And if you look real close oh, at yeah. the DE, you'll see what looks like the top part of an F written in script.
2: I agree. F-E-B. I think you're right. Say this again well, one more well, time. Look where it says December, right next to 1891. It's clearly written over the top of something yes. else that looks so strange like again? February.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but even worse, even worse, and this is where it comes into, you know, the threshold. The, when you do a lie, and I don't mean this in a, in, in a nefarious way. When you try to keep the tsunami alive and you're riding it like a surfboard, you want to make sure that what you have is consistency so that you never contradict yourself because it's hard to remember all the aspects of the lie. And so if, if you ever were to look at, I'm going to hold up this book and I'm going to tell you the page number, page number 62. This is Naismith's book. This is not anyone else's book. But if you look in here, and I'm going to try to bring it in as close as possible, you'll see the Feb 1892 at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so this page in the Naismith book has Feb eighteen ninety two. Ah. And so you see, what ended up happening was because um, because Frank J. Basil wrote the, the Basil book. Oh my book god, it's right said, there. Yeah, so they what what we believe happened and that by the way, the James Naismith we believe is a forgery but it's in the most loving of ways. What we believe happened was possibly Ian Naismith. But you look at the S in James, the S has this little loop on top. That loop does not exist in the normal signatures of James Naismith, nor does the N in Naismith continue to the A. Naismith always went N and then started the A on the top. So the thing is, what we believe happened was that this thing that was uh, supposedly posted had Feb 1892 without any James Naismith, without any six, twenty-eight, thirty-one, and all that stuff. Someone asked the person who bought the $4.3 million uh, surprise pot and said, did you notice that that deck looks like it's written over top of a Feb? And he goes, yeah, yeah, that that they were just trying to get the date right. Now, I don't know about most humans, but James Naismith, if he really did generate that thing and post it, he would have known whether it's February 1892 or December 1891, because he was living there at that time. He was alive, and he was writing it. So there's no confusion on the origin of it being Feb 1892, but then it becomes very confusing. And this is why the Naismith story is almost like falling down a set of stairs, except the stairs just don't stop. And you just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. Because here you got these rules that were handwritten. In the book of Naismith, he says he handwrote the rules and gave them to somebody, Mrs. Leone's, to type up. And he took the typed version and posted it on the bulletin board for the players to read. In that handwritten one, he says, this is what I posted so that the players might know how to play the game or something to that effect. Well, was it the handwritten rule or was it the typed rules? But even weirder, if it was February of 1892, why didn't they just use the rules that were in the Triangle publication that came out in January of 1892? Why rewrite it in hand, date Feb 1892, and put it on the bulletin board for kids to play? Yeah. So all these things beginning to become very troubling when we looked at the Will story versus the Naismith story. So I'll stop for right now so you can...
3: Hey, guys. I want to tell you about our friends at Helix. Listen, you spend most of your life on your bed, right? Some of us a little bit more than others. Am I right, everybody? Yeah, Come no, on. No, most no, of it. That means a lot I, of it. That means, I, that means I drop a lot of hammer out there. That's what I was trying to say. Oh, oh, yeah, it, yeah there we go. It, and I want oh, this shit. It, and listen, it, dude. So I take my sleep and I take my mattress very, very serious. And that's why I'm so happy that Helix Sleep... Is sponsoring the show. That's all right. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes take just two minutes to compete and matches your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Everyone's unique and everyone knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, firm mattresses. Mattresses great for for cooling you down if you sleep hot. And even Helix Plus mattresses for our plus size folks. Not me anymore. Okay, Daddy is getting in shape. I like what kind of like what kind of mattress do you guys like?
1: Firm, because I give it firm. Yeah,
3: I like that. I like yeah. it soft. I like I like, I gold. like it soft to you. I do it like uh, when you're staying at a hotel and it's just like yeah, sleeping yeah, on a cloud. Yeah. I'm all about that softness. Okay, so if you want a better mattress, if you're looking for a mattress, just take the quiz. You order the mattress that will you're matched to, and the mattress comes right to you. To your door, ship for free. You don't even need to go to mattress store anymore, which are all obviously money laundering things, right? <laughs> Would we agree on that? Yeah, you ever go by a mattress store? Nobody's in there. Yeah, it's still open. Money laundering, not Helix Sleep. They're the real deal. So here's what I want you guys to do, okay? Just go to helixsleep.com slash tinfoil and take the two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life, okay? Real quick, real simple. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash timfoil. Get it? Sleep better, get weird, enjoy your life. Yeah, it's super interesting because it just conveniently is December eighteen ninety one. Right?
2: Can I, can I ask how is there an image of it saying February and and this image? What when, when well, were these?
0: It, it, the, the reason is that what I we believe happened, and this is where the Hall of Fame had the original rules um, as they were supposedly posted in fifty one, or whatever date they they uh, put their world together. And those rules were owned by the Naismith family. Now, this is a backstory. This is where you get into kind of like, maybe it's almost uh, rumor mill time, right? But Ian Naismith and the Naismith family looked at Grandpa and said, Grandpa, you invented a game that's played all over the world, and you didn't make a single dollar on it. What kind of businessman are you? Damn. And so what ended up happening is Naismith put together this uh, website. I can't remember the name of that, but uh, Ian Naismith put together a website. And it actually calls out for kind of like extending what Springfield talked about as mind, body, spirit, you know, gentlemanly play, be your neighbor, you know, love everyone, um, you know, blah, 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 blah. And the irony of that is that website, which he needed to fund, which is where that $4.3 million was going to go, to fund that website and its purpose of trying to bring basketball to the communities in the area um, that that uh ch- chanting that you got to be a gentleman is definitely offset by an interview that ian naismith later had um, the 10 year ago against the foster brothers saying I'm sick of this Herkimer story. If somebody brings it up to me again, I'm going to punch him in the face and I can do it because I'm a 260-pound oh. guy. Oh, man. And you're thinking, hey, Jim, hey, Ian, you know, calm down. You know, be a brother. You know, listen to your own words, right? So the irony of all these things juxtaposed them. But, but what we believe happened was the Springfield uh, papers, that those two sheets, were taken out of the Hall of Fame by Ian Naismith. They were extracted. And we believe they then were altered, as you saw. So the picture that existed in when the book here was published, which was 1939, had Feb 1892. Why do we know that? It's in the book. Later, Ian Naismith, not clearly thinking that maybe somebody took a picture of the darn thing.
3: Oh, my God.
0: Decided to alter it so that he could compete with the 1891 profile that Herkimer was professing that's damning oh that damning is
3: incredible
0: yeah no this is I mean it has so many backstories and side stories and but but it all kind of bump, bumps into I kind of feel you know and, and if you ever get the, if you ever get and read this book remember we'll go back to this one Naismith, right in the in the end of the book what what we put out is more George Foste's writing is there actually is a whole community of communities that actually took on basketball in the early 1891, 1892, 1893. They were like the, the seed and the, and the miracle grow, right, in this region. And that include Holyoke, that include places in, in uh, New Jersey, in Pennsylvania, uh, out in Cornell. And so what we want to be able to do is to take this origins of basketball and actually uh, we call it Basketball Road, which is where you go to the places where basketball birthed where it became, you know, something that was played. We know it was originated in Herkimer, but it really had a lot of support all along the Mohawk Valley, going down the Hudson, into New York, into Pennsylvania, New Jersey. And so we want to try to identify all the communities. And that's where those, you know, George and Daryl being the historians, really kind of get off on thinking, wow, we can get down to those communities. Is there anything still there that was around when basketball was being played? If so, can we profess it, can we announce it? Can we make it visible? But that's what they're really looking to do. So Naismith, we kind of feel sorry for. He kind of got thrown in. There's an article that came out in January of 1893, and this is a very important article that's analyzed in the book. If you think of 1892, the publication of the triangle, the tsunami of, wow, this is a hot game, that went on with Naismith being the trailer I am the originator. What ends up happening is Gulick. Now remember Gulick is the director of the Springfield YMCA. He's not a legal uh, pundit, but what he puts out in an article in 1893, January, and it's in the book is that it defines what an inventor is. It defines the criteria of an inventor. And what it does is he says, Naismith is the inventor but he's too humble to 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 admit it so let me tell you why he's the inventor and he goes through this story talking about how ideation or the idea isn't anything until it's turned into you know when the game becomes a product that's the invention not all this other stuff that happens before
3: oh my god dude that's so crazy
0: Oh, it's nuts. I think that's one of the things Scott found that he kind of freaked out because Scott was digging. Scott Flansman, remember back? Human Calculator. Human Calculator. Yeah, we had a lot of people, including myself, going off in every direction looking for historic documentation. By the way, there was a weird thing that happened where contents. um, There's a thing called the Herkimer YMCA Review. And the Herkimer YMCA Review uh, is a publication that started in 1890 here. And was 1891, 92, blah, blah, blah. And we found that all of these documents, whether they're articles or whatever, just kind of vanished during that period. As oh, if somebody came in and did a special ops retrieval, right? And went to shredder land went, burr, 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 burr. and went br And so I'm not saying that that did happen, but the Springfield team, which is uh, Hickok, uh, H-I-C-K-O-X, Hickok's, Um, was the guy who was actually running the evaluation of where the Hall of Fame should be. He said in in an article that was uh, quoting him that he and another person were going to go to Herkimer and Utica and look for the information and evidence about Herkimer being the origin, but the Hall of Fame is still going to be in Springfield, which is kind of weird because now we look and we're trying to find stuff. And where we found a very critical article is out of Syracuse. The Syracuse Herald, the Sunday Herald, in 1898, has an article with a picture of the team at that time. It was a different picture than the one you've seen because it's the picture at that time. And it speaks of Herkimer as a place where basketball has been played for seven years. Do the math. It's 81. But then he gets there, 91. Then he gets into You know, Herkimer first originated their team in 1891. They have 35 games in 1891. This is the team and the captain was this. And it gets into such detail. And the problem is that people will look at that article and say that was planted in 1898. And then you really got to, you know, just like the 16 year old is now a 40 year old. There was then a 40 year old. You got to think in 1898, you can write an article about what's going on in the local region and you actually have the people in the local region Read reading, what you're writing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if you're, if you've got some guy's name in there and it's got a lot of names and you've got dates and you've got specific things, you look like a monkey fool. If what you wrote has no relevance to reality. Yeah. What it's- you're talking about
3: is like there was a time when there was
0: accountability. Right. And at the same time it was local news for local people. Yeah. It wasn't local news setting the stage For later on, 100 years later, somebody will find it. And because of that, the origin of basketball, which probably will be controversial, can be decided. But I've heard someone, I won't give the person's name because it's not a a compliment. But one individual, when I showed them this article, they said, that's fake news. (laughs) I said, what the hell are you talking about, fake news? There was no fake news back then. I mean, there might have been, but it wasn't like this. I mean, it was on page nine. It wasn't like selling magazines that you put up, you know, like the Inquirer, bing, bing, you know, uh, duck hatches out of the back of a, of a, of a wolverine or something, you know. So all, all these things that we pulled together and gathered have so much evidentiary material that proves that Herkimer was the origin, Lambert Will was the originator, uh, Lam- Herkimer being the birthplace, but the community of Mohawk Valley really was the gestator of the game and its in and, and its adoption.
3: Well, you know, it's like there's... What I find super interesting, uh, uh, the whole thing is, like, mind-blowing to me uh, because there's really no need for it. And it just... It's super sad that um, somebody has to lie for clout and the region has to lie for tax... Yeah. Do- uh, for, you know, tourist dollars and stuff. But the notion, right, of making rules for a game you've never played it's right. like the concept of like we're just going to make rules like in combat, right? Hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> why why is there no eye gouging or knee to the groin or punch to the groin? Well, because it's been done enough to know that that's kind of cheating and could do a type of ter- permanent damage that yeah. would hurt the the fighter for a lot longer than just the time in the ring or the octagon. So that's how you know. The notion that you can make rules
1: for something
3: that's never been played before is so Absolutely hilarious! It
1: happened. It happened. To, uh, in the government rules for thee, not for me. Yeah, yeah, Making yeah. Making rules. For yeah, but
3: but 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 that's
1: not even. Nope, nope, you, nope, nope. You're nope. totally off on
3: that
0: one. I was just saying. Sometimes they don't follow. <laughs> by, by the way,
1: Naismith said he did it in two hours. Huh? said
0: he, said, he two hours. said he did it in two hours. He Amazing.
2: made those rules in two hours. He wrote them so up because he had it quickly. Yeah, hilarious. You know what? This makes me think about though. At least this period had some document extant documentation that they've been able to find. Think about all the history that's been descend. You know, it's descended to us now. That is similarly fishy in origin. That they don't have documentation for but that we've just, just taken it. as gospel. Yeah, it, well, uh, that's what that it begs those questions for I mean, me. This uh, whole Johnny. Thing of, how
3: many religions are just based on somebody saying, "Oh yeah, uh, this was told to me by somebody," and uh, you don't, don't think all this happened stuff? in other sports? Stuff
1: but you don't think this happened in other sports? You don't think the origins of soccer is said it happened in Spain? Someone says it happened. Well,
3: in Well, I mean, if you take a look at baseball, a lot of people don't. I think baseball was uh, was well, That was the first one.
0: Yeah, we actually bring that up in the book. Is that you know it wasn't Double Day because he was actually in uh, military training school at the time, so he couldn't have originated. So that that became uh, unfolded. And there's actually a caveat at the basketball hall of fame or baseball hall of fame in Cooperstown. By the way, Cooperstown was only 28 miles for us on Route 28, and of course Scott enjoys that because he's a numbers guy. Uh-huh. Um, but but the same thing happened to them, right? Double Day was not the originator but that's how the hall of fame got into Cooperstown.
3: So, so and uh, and and a big reason that they obviously don't want the story an alternative beginning is because again, these rules of basketball are so valuable if they're actually the the, the rules that created basketball. So it's like we go back to the guy who just paid what a million dollars for Tom Brady's last football? 4
0: million. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yes. $4 million. That, that ball is worth nothing right now. That ball is worth nothing right now because it's not going to be his last pass. And then you get into all the reasons everything was going to go on with that you know, they, the the right. whole um, Flo- Brian Flores thing, why he really got fired is because Tom Brady had made a backdoor do- deal to go in and be- become part owner of the Dolphins and then bring in Sean Payton. So they had to get rid of Flores. Now this all comes out. and It's way more than that. But going back to this story is <laughs> like there's so much like even MMA, right? They talk about how the UFC was the invention of MMA. No, there was there were these fights going on way before that. But for money, profit, historical reasons, you have to set this kind of timeline. So, if
1: they found a new document about the new rules of basketball and there was a little bit of evidence behind it, you think NBA would suppress it?
3: What do you mean, Xavier? There's like, a book out on it with no, a ton I, of, no, of evidence.
1: I, I, about I know, it. I know that there is, but you're saying in any sport they would suppress it, like it, 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 they would have to change the rules. What I'm trying to say, if there was these rules where you didn't have to double dribble, it would be like.
3: No, no, no! They you, wouldn't change the rules of the actual game. It would game just change because no, the rules. rules. Oh yeah, we would just
2: like suddenly if there are no baskets, like oh, sorry guys. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Then why not? Brian, let them? Sorry about this.
3: This is my intern. We let Then why not? Today, then why so. not let it out because of just tradition? Well, because it just like Kansas, right? The Jayhawks. A lot of their history is based on the fact that, uh, you know, Naismith started the right. basketball like it's all about it's money. money it's money it's all money so do you know who the only losing coach with a losing record uh-huh. in kansas jayhawk history is
0: naismith naismith he's the only he's guy the most losing-est. he's the most losing coach
3: right i mean like oh so you- so everything by the, way, by the way the, is- the
0: rules continue to change as you develop just like just like they did in January and February. By the way, just so you're aware, the uh, basket, remember we, we, let's go back to 91 in the basket, right? They realized that the basket and getting on a stepladder and getting the ball out really sucked. So they cut the bottom out of it. And when they cut the bottom out of it, it reduced the structural integrity. And so a couple of Madison balls hitting it the wrong way, and poof, you don't have a basket. So Herkimer was the first, the, a guy at the Herkimer Ironworks, actually said, why don't we create a rim? So Lambert, Will, and this guy put together this rim, so the rim was there, but when you use the rim, you couldn't really sure that the thing went through because there's no way to really tell. So Lambert, Will's mother, who they refer to as the Betsy Ross of basketball, actually knitted the first net. So when the ball went through the rim, you could see it go through the net. <laughs> what? Say that? Was, who, was,
3: mm. what, who did it? Who? Who? Uh, Lambert, did?
1: Will's
0: mother did, knitted the net.
1: Because they couldn't tell when the ball went in or out, and needed need something like a whoosh.
0: Yeah, I get that. To, yeah, you need something to like represent the whoosh. But but by the way, also in '93 in the Mohawk, uh, because the YMCA uh, kind of fell apart in Herkimer, they ended up starting. The, they took the Herkimer nine and they played in a, a village right next door called Mohawk, and in, in the Mohawk Armory. Now the Mohawk Armory had a similar uh, gymnasium area. Let's use that term: open area but the walls were metal. And so when the ball hit the metal, it didn't rebound the same way. I mean, it was like, whoo, that thing's coming back fast. So they, they invented the first backboard. So not only was the game invented in Herkimer, the first rim, the first net, but also in Mohawk, by way of Lambert, Will, and uh, Carpenter was the first backboard. Uh, also, the first professional game where they charged 20 cents, which means it became a pro team was Herkimer. Um, so there's a lot of firsts, but you, the one thing you want to remember, try to tell me one other place that has a human's name in it as it relates to the international hall of fame or the, I don't care what sport hall of fame, none of them except basketball, the James Naismith Memorial basketball hall of fame. Why? Because you got to keep repeating the line. Yeah. Yep, yep,
3: beat them down, beat them down, beat them down, beat them down, beat them down with it. And there are just so many people that just have... You know, and you know what else? And this, uh, I don't want this. This is Brian. This is not Brian talking. This is straight up Sam Tripoli talking. But you know how I know that this is fishy? Duke wanted to get in on it too. Yeah. Duke wanted to buy the original rules That's of basketball. Funny. And I don't trust Duke as far as I can kick Duke. So it's just like that lets you know some craziness. My question to you is so the gentleman you say is actually the, the inventor of the game,
0: right? Yep. Lambert
3: Will. What does his family say?
0: Well, Lambert Will himself was with Frank J. Basilow going out to, to Springfield, and Lambert Will was telling them, I invented the game. I'm the guy who did this. He's relaying to them the story of how it actually was created. They're showing as much evidence as they could. I think where they screwed up is they said uh, Naismith came to Springfield in August of 91 or the fall of 91. When they said those words, the Hall of Fame or the Springfield people said, wrong, you're a year off. Everything you're talking about is a year off. They used that one accident because Naismith actually entered Springfield YMCA in August of 90. And so that one statement, however it was framed within the way that they were trying to prove their point, but labor will was right there. They got nailed as saying, you're two years off. You actually started playing basketball in 93. You don't even know it. You don't even remember. And the guy's going, well, I I think I do. (laughs) But it didn't matter. So his whole family had actually tried to continue this, uh, let's say, this movement. But, you know... The Lambert-Will family really weren't a bunch of argumentative, aggressive, A-type personality people to go after something to prove a point just to prove the point. So they kind of went domicile and kind of faded out, except um, Philip Baruth, who's a senator in Vermont, is one of the uh, Lambert-Will great-grandsons. And what he did is he took all of the evidence they had and he gave it to the Springfield Hall of Fame because they agreed on the hundred-year anniversary, that's 1991. They agreed to post something about Lambert. Will they kind of said, "Well, we'll give you, we'll give you a plaque. We'll give wow. you a, a display." So they literally wow. gave him a display, and on it they hand wrote with the picture of the team that you've you might have seen. Well, you saw that one in the book, right on the on the cover. They put underneath it. They they actually yeah under the underneath that they put. 1892, 1893, Herkimer team, and gave the names. Uh-huh. It was like, what the hell? So what we think happened is between 91 and probably 94, a lot of conflict started happening because they started looking at that. They saw the Baslow book. They saw the 91, 92. Why are you listening to that 92, 93? And the Hall of Fame people just said, I'm sick of this shit. Yep. And so what they did is they dusted it. Now, we don't know where it went, but – it's gone. It's no longer in the Hall of Fame. Hasn't been for, what's that, 30 years? And the Lambert-Will family, and this is the senator in Vermont, officially asking, please give me back my stuff. The Hall of Fame has refused to return it.
3: Dude,
0: wow. I,
3: I would never,
0: <laughs> never,
3: hey, like give them any of that. I'd be like, here's copies of it. Yeah. You can run with it. I'm, I mean, dude, I mean. Well, like, there's even something worse. Is Frank J. Baslow
0: had what we call Edward Beckingham's scrapbook. And in the scrapbook were all the articles that we just spent a year and a half finding the originals of, or as close to the originals as we could get. And we believe because there's an article that talks about how the two camps got together and exchanged documents. Mm. Nobody can find Edward J. Beckingham's scrapbook, but it was something that Frank J. Basil carried almost like, Almost like it was, you know, his passport overseas, right? Can't lose this, can't lose this. We think he gave it to the Hall of Fame and it went the same way the other stuff went.
2: We'll throw that away for you. Yeah,
0: oh
1: thank (laughs) you for that. We'll we'll take care of that. We'll shred it. You'll never get it back.
3: It's just unbelievable, dude. How like how people just integrity means nothing. Everything's about a dollar. And it's just like some people, uh, you know, I mean, you see movies about it. Like, did you ever see uh, Free Guy with. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: with uh, Ryan whole Reynolds. That's story
3: yeah. that he didn't invent that. That's the whole. And we see this over and over and over and over again. People taking credit for things that they did. Well, dude, do. So
2: the Uber guy, you know, Travis Kalanick, he. He took he, he went around telling everybody he invented Uber. And the guy who actually came up with the idea was his buddy, well, you know, who's also on the board and stuff. And I, is still there. Well, but,
0: you know, I mean, that, you know, that's an interesting point. In the book, we take uh, it's actually uh, George does an excellent job, him and Daryl, of finding content that Naismith supposedly claimed credit for inventing the breathalyzer. He oh. also claimed credit for
2: inventing the hairdryer. Oh, so he's a wow. serial bullshit artist. It seems. Yeah, <laughs> back, back then it was believe,
1: doable. Back then you could you be a bullshit artist. Last. Yeah, you all could day. lie to everybody. Yeah, You're like, was, yeah, there, yeah,
3: yeah, I got yeah, it. I there I got was no it.
1: phone. People used to lie, oh, like oh, I was at the so-and-so World Cup, World Cup game. Now you can't say that without showing a, f- a picture of like, look, I was there. Look at my Instagram. I was.
2: Yeah, right well, now, but, yeah. now yeah. people don't believe yeah. that
1: anymore.
3: Either. Well, I, true, true. Mean, like, yeah. I, I just, uh, oh, Brian, shit. I don't know. I, I thought earlier you said you were involved in some sort of tech stuff. Is that yeah. what you're involved with? Well, you know, I mean, you want to get into it? Uh, Elon Musk has a real history of rewriting history. Uh, people believe he invented PayPal, people think he invented uh, Tesla. But does he, invented, he say that, though? Yeah. I mean, dude, he basically went in and had them rewrite both of those. He did not invent those. There are actual, you can find out who the actual inventors were. And, and you know, like it's so interesting that he's getting a you know, uh, that he's made a lot of his fortune off of Bitcoin. If you kind of think about it, PayPal is the first digital currency in a weird, I mean, right. outside of uh, of. Of uh, credit cards, right? But like PayPal's where you're paying each other
1: in digital money. You're Why trans- do you think Zell and them are trying to outdo them now?
3: Well, yeah, I, I, I do think that PayPal's in trouble with that. He's in trouble. Costing, but I think that's Zell's game is that they're going to make it so cheap. And once everyone moves off of PayPal and moves to Zell, yeah, then they're going to start charging you all this stuff. Well, that's Zelle. the reason yeah. Zell
2: is great, you don't even have to move to it, there's no, it's nothing to do, you yeah, know what I mean? It's just, right, just, right, right just,
3: but but it's the, it's the old Walmart uh, uh, way of operating, which is. Do low prices run out a business? All your competition, and then once you're the only one there, you start slowly raising
1: your prices again. And they got the money kind of, to do it. They got the money. They got they got the money to do it.
3: But it's so interesting because, like, the, like so much of the laurel of of Kansas of uh, of Springfield is completely based off this, and just mm-hmm. lie after lie after lie after lie, and we just see the story of like. Of, like, the creators being basically blackballed, sadly involving some people being kind of, like, literally being scrubbed from history to keep the lie going. I mean, like, we could get into, like, where did Facebook come from? All that stuff. Like, where, where did these things come from? Oh yeah, they were actually invented by somebody. Well, else. Well, you
2: see them invented by these contemplative, like you were saying, type B personalities, and then there's these profiteering type A types that swoop mm-hmm. in and start taking credit. It, it's, I mean, it's a, it, it's just as old as history. That story, You're, uh, you know, happens over and over again. One hundred. This is why this is so believable, even without the mountains of evidence he's presented. Is just that you see it over and over.
3: And it's just super sad because, you know there's certain ways you could write this so that everybody involved gets credit.
0: Cause if you, well, c- that, that's how, by, by the way, that's how the book ends. The book ends talking about how certain individuals should be accredited for what they really contributed. And we, and in the book, it talks about Naismith and Gulick as being, you know, critical to the growth of the, of the industry of basketball, but not the inventor. And then we talk about other individuals that should be brought into the Hall of Fame because of their contribution. But it really also gets into, and I talked about before, the basketball road, which is there are municipalities that didn't even know that they helped start the real growth of basketball. And so it really kind of gets into kind of like that, can't we all get along at the end? Um, But in the right perspective, right? Take your real seat, not the one you kick the other guy out of, right? Yeah it's
3: super interesting Brian great episode can I ask
2: one real technical qu- uh, just a, technical, a, a brief technical question what were medicine balls used for back then you know, I haven't got the foggiest friggin' idea. Okay, isn't it? I've, I've always just wondered, like, what are people doing with medicine balls back then? But, but they,
0: well, a lot of times the medicine ball was used for hand eye coordination and throwing. Okay. So, what you would do is you'd have people lined up and you'd be throwing the ball. And if you think of a pitch out, right? Yeah. It's something that has right, left hand, and they got to go at the same time. and Your thumb's got to push through, okay. and then you got to catch. So, medicine balls were probably used for that type of thing. Plus, you know, they're a little heavier. Yeah. And not, you know, and which, of course, was worse for the poor basket. That's that yeah, like
2: yeah. exactly what was getting
0: this basket. Um, um, okay.
2: So, nevertheless. Interesting. And, and by
0: the way, the Herkimer 9 program is focused solely on taking the evidence, which we now have in the book, and then trying to figure out, and we have a lot of plans for how Herkimer can actually support those that want to investigate, there will be um, a museum. And if you think of the chronology, we have a thing we call the chronology of the history of basketball. And it has three tracks. One track is Frank J. Baslow, the guy that wrote that book you just showed. The middle track is is Lambert Will and the origin of basketball and the invention and the development and the birthing out of it. And the third one is Naismith and how he was doing nothing until all of a sudden he received something. And then all of a sudden he went, Woo! And so those three tracks, if you think of it from a historic perspective, what we're going to be doing is this, um, the court, we actually have a courthouse in Herkimer that's at what we call the historic four corners. And these are 1800s buildings. that are still in pristine condition. We're going to take over the courthouse and actually put, and it kind of makes sense, courthouse, basketball court,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Um, put together a um, physical and a digitally connectable meaning you can walk in with a cell phone with the Harker 9 app, and you can actually be told, narrated, the experience of the game and its origin and development without having to read a lot of stuff. But you could read stuff. And so this whole thing of trying to develop this out is really what we're looking to do. We also have a, a, a building called the L.W. Bills School, which is on the area where the first high school basketball game was ever played. And on in that building, which is no longer used as a school – we're going to turn into the high school basketball hall of fame. So the kids can actually be recognized during their youth. So if somebody comes and they're 35 and they say, I remember I was at that school, they go over there, Hey, there's my picture. And it it allows people to kind of centralize their mind on basketball as it is played across the, the world, instead of just going to the hall of fame and seeing the elite of the elite. And so there's a lot of things that we're looking to do to try to raise up And and you've got the ABA, right, which, again, Herkimer Originals, ABA. um, We're looking to work with Joe Newman and bring the ABA into Herkimer as far as, you know, as it relates to because, you know, there's no headquarters of the ABA, uh, really. And so we believe that the ABA could be headquartered in Herkimer because then we can bring ABA information and those that play under the NBA level, bring them up in a historic way so that those that actually played well but maybe they weren't in the NBA maybe they weren't in the Hall of Fame they can be in the quote museum that will develop that really respects basketball from its true origin to its gameplay today i respect that
3: i totally respect i don't you know it's so interesting and you know it's a different sport but it's like pride compared to the UFC, like everything in the UFC Hall of Fame is about fighting the UFC, but there are so many great fighters right. in in, in uh, pride and they don't get the respect they deserve. And like you kind of talk about, there's a lot of people in the ABA that didn't get the love and respect that they deserve it, from the NBA Hall of Fame, which is the yeah. Pro Basketball Hall of Fame, but you really don't see that. So I think that's very important. And you know what's so interesting is you kind of get into... Uh, soccer like soccer's super interesting like right. like here we go again in 1863 <laughs> they'll tell you England invented soccer but there's evidence that goes all the way back to, to China in the second uh, century
0: right right and the Mayans and everything else. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, of, uh, right.
3: they should have they prime fine, fine print that says using a ball not human heads
0: <laughs> yeah <that's exactly laughs> <laughs> <laughs> right, with or without hair. it really yeah. did, man. Yeah. Though I yeah. think with hair, it's harder to kick. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: What would you have to say before we let Brian call? No, I was just going to say is there anybody that claims to have created basketball other than them two? Is there anybody else that you hear there? Well, fucking be like, hey, it's me. I'm here too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There is one that's Holyoke.
0: And we mentioned it in the book, right? Holyoke was actually on what we call the train line from the Mohawk Valley, right? So you go through Albany to you go out into Massachusetts, and one of the first places you hit will be Holyoke. And there is controversy as to whether Naismith actually attended a game being played in Holyoke in the end of 91 and brought that into Springfield. Because there's somebody that on their, uh, I won't say on their deathbed, but I'm saying during their last breath, year of breath, right, whatever it was, They said that they brought Naismith in and had them watch a game before Naismith supposedly invented the game. We think if that did happen, it happened because, just like Albany knew how to play, so could Holyoke, and therefore at the end of 91, when, again, people were playing. That was the 91-92 season. Um, But, of course, you only knew it if you really looked in the Mohawk Valley in the area, but Holyoke may have been uh, may have started playing, and that's why we believe they're part of the basketball road because Holyoke definitely adopted it early. And so they're the only other ones that say we invented it.
3: Damn. It's so crazy. And basketball. What are, you, what are your thoughts on modern-day basketball? Are you a fan of the new style? Are you a fan of what's going on? I mean, it's tr- Truly amazing. If you kind of think how much money basketball players are making now, and they could, and, and then we'll let you go, Brian. Um, it's truly amazing. And you got to think about that. Basketball is only on ESPN, ABC, and, and TNT. It's not on Fox. It's not on Man. NBC, which is where, like, baseball and uh, uh, football is it they
0: well, you know you know something I, I'm, I'm also a uh, closet drummer right um, <laughs> as a matter of fact as a matter of fact my drum set is right there okay? um. but but I'm gonna use a correlation between basketball and music if you take somebody that plays music for the love of music and all of a sudden they become a hit their love of music becomes commercialized and they lose their love of music. And now they become servants of the commercial music. And I see it happen a lot Uh, because I I can feel and sense when somebody transitions from I'm an artist and this is what I feel to I'm a player and this is what I have to perform. And the same thing in basketball. If you look at the ABA and I mean, you know, I've been um, this is the first team we had the from Originals. But you watch these guys play and these guys could be as old as 50 and as young as 26. Yeah. But they're playing with their hearts and and they really they're playing because they love it. They might get a hundred bucks for playing the game. But they're playing for the love of the game. Once you get into the what you were just talking about, which is the NBA level, some of them maintain their pure the nature of them. But some people get wrapped up in, you know, the prestige, the dollar, you know, they do the jump shots, they do the slam dunks in a way that says, I hope you caught that one, you know, and that's in their mind. Instead of doing it as an art, with science, which is what basketball is. They instead do it for the commercial value. And and I think your point is well taken that it becomes almost plastic at the NBA level for some, but at the ABA level, it remains true basketball for the love of the sport.
3: I just feel that like there's so much money now and it's all so guaranteed that I just think that they need to make some significant changes now before it it gets away with it. And, you know, when I was in college in the 90s, I dated this woman who was a a classically trained dancer. And she told me very early, she goes, when you start getting paid to do what you love, it no longer becomes your love. It becomes a job. And it changes. And now you won't do it for a certain amount of money. You won't do this. You don't do that. Now I still go, Almost anywhere to do stand. I was about to
1: say, sometimes we've been on the road and someone be like, You want to do five minutes? And you're like, Look at me. Like, you want it? I'm like, I'm tired. You're like I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm and I'm like, you just, got, you just did 40 and kind yeah. of complained about it. I'll, but then you went, You got a new crowd, dude. You're like, This is a new crowd.
3: I forget. I was going to do New Orleans. And uh, so they, they, I, I, because of the weather, I, they couldn't get me to New Orleans. And we'd only sold about 40 tickets. And people like, You're not going to. I'm like, Dude, you don't know me. I'll go I'll go perform for two people. I don't hey, care. I,
1: Deal's I, done, dog. I'll be one of those persons. I look, I told him, I was like, you went because there was no ticket sales. on. Huh? he looked at me, he's like, you should know me by now. I'm yeah, showing yeah, up uh, and I'm showing up to drop the hammer yeah, of the gods yeah. on yeah. these guys.
3: I'll go in there. 20 people, I just get paid for my flight and now I get to enjoy New Orleans. Uh, Brian, man. Great, great conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm really into this whole thing and I'm glad you could, you took some time and I hope that our listeners enjoyed this episode because it's a nice little change of pace for us. And, uh, again, tell them where they could find you.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you can find us at herkimer9.com or herkimer9.org, but also you can pick up the book at Amazon. It's also, it's in hardcover, soft cover, and Kindle. Um, but really check out the book, discuss it with friends, get others to buy the book. Um, the, it isn't so much the sale of the book as this spreading of the word. And to that point, I really appreciate what you guys are doing, which is allowing us to discuss it. And hopefully people find it intriguing, interesting, but also having a very thick thread of truth. So thank you very much. Brian, it was great.
3: I you know for me, it's like anytime there is... Um... Deceit, I think people need to talk about it. I think yep. uh, we allow one lie, we allow a lot of lies. And, you know, no, nobody's perfect. But, you know, this seems like a pretty blatant one for the point of, uh, you know, I think it should be recognized. I mean, if they want to keep the Hall of Fame, in Springfield, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. They could do whatever that's they fine. want, but they should give this young man. Did we ever find? So he final thing he goes to war, he comes back, okay, and he's like, "Imagine going to war, fight, you come back, <laughs> and there's this whole ecosystem based on something you invented that you're not getting any piece of it."
0: <laughs> with well, cabbage. that's what, wow. that's what Basil, Basil asked him that question, and there's actually evidence in the book showing that Baslow had um, discussed that with him, and he asked him. Uh, Why didn't you say something earlier? And he goes, nah, that didn't need it. I didn't need the fame. I'm just happy that a head of cabbage created so much fun for me and others. And that was his take. I mean, the guy came out of the the war and ended up living in little falls and doing printing. I mean, the guy really didn't need fame and fortune. He probably would have shrank from it. He probably would have ran away from, you know, 61 photographers, even if they didn't have photographic material. Well, they did at the time, but he was a pretty humble guy. The Lambert family. I've met them. They're, they're just very, they're very calm. They're very uh, uh, gentle. And so I could never imagine whoever originated that family of people, of which we've seen upwards of 30 at, at one of the games, um, they're all just the same thing. They're just rela- relaxed, comfortable people that I think they'd shy away from anything of grandeur. So it, it evidences itself very well to the human of Lambert Will, as well it evidences itself very well to the actual human of Naismith, who later on tried to claim. By the way, he had two other sports. One was high-low. It was kind of a mix of, uh, I think, soccer and, and lacrosse. And the other one was some game where you got to steal the ring. It's like on a football field. You got to get the ring and run to the other side and put it into the end zone. I don't know. They lasted about 14 minutes and, and a break, and they were gone. Uh, they never went anywhere. But nevertheless, sorry, long answer. No, I loved it, win. dude.
3: I love it all, man. I love that guy just throwing stuff against the wall, seeing what will stick. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I'm sure there's some sport that hasn't been invented yet. That's the key to find that sport and figure it out. Hey, Brian, thank you again so much for coming on. We really did appreciate it. It was a great conversation, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. You take care. Stay safe. Take care, buddy. Uh, That was great, man. That was great. Johnny, can you pause it one second? I have to use the bathroom, and I want to continue a conversation. We go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your (laughs) mind. Drink. From the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. Th- 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 that's some interdimensional hey, so shit. <laughs> Wake up, Aaron.
2: This is only the beginning.
3: There's- you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack.